You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and technology, where sci-fi becomes the music industry of today, where metadata is considered sexy, and where we all praise Lil Nas X holding his beer while he's flipping cows. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa, the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a PR firm that specializes in music tech and music tech. On the podcast and on the blog at musictectonics.com, we've been defining and exploring some of the most significant seismic shifts that are set to transform the music business. And today, I'd like to talk about a new one. The push to transparency is irreversible. With all the data at our fingertips, I feel like all of us are less and less in the dark about music, audiences, listening, and where money changes hands. So to explore this topic, I've brought in a special guest, Noah Becker, the CEO of AdRev, who's connecting with us via his studio in Los Angeles. How are you doing, Noah? I'm very well. Thanks for having me, Dimitri. Thanks for being here. Why don't we just kick off for anyone who doesn't know what AdRev is, if you don't mind just explaining what you guys do. Sure. AdRev is an end-to-end asset administrator and strategy company for particularly the YouTube platform. Um, And in coming months and years, we'll be adding Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, and other UGC or user-generated content platforms. Uh, We manage about 15 million plus copyrights on behalf of a variety of rights owners, all shapes and sizes from um, TV and film music uh, libraries and high high cut film uh, company music companies such as Universal Pictures Film Music. Um, all the way to DIY creators who uh, have popular music on the YouTube platform. We also operate a small but curated uh, multi-channel network where we help various uh, channels with their strategy and optimization on the YouTube platform. So I'm going to break that down a little bit. Um, You've got clients who have these catalogs of music, songs that are getting used on YouTube, for example, mostly. And you're helping them identify where those uses are and um, monetize them as appropriate? That is correct. We ingest sound recordings or master recordings um, and as well publishing metadata into YouTube's content ID system. And then we administer those assets on behalf of our clients, make sure that the revenue and matching is optimized, that the metadata is accurate, et cetera. And then we pay downstream to our clients. Um, in, in the realm of the, the context of this episode, um, we do pride ourselves on a very high degree of transparency with our accounting. So our clients are able to see uh, all the way down to a fractional penny of earning on any given YouTube video um, that's generated revenue for them. And actually, it seems like that, and that's, that, that's a trend, that more platform businesses that have a client system where the, the, the client logs into a platform are getting access to seeing more um, more data and in real time. I mean, it seems like that. I mean, I'm not saying you guys aren't on the cutting edge of that, but it seems like that the conversation as a, as an industry, as I as I kind of survey the landscape of what people are talking about, that's the differentiator that's starting to attract more interest. Absolutely, I think one of the really interesting things about the music industry today and how technology rich the music industry. Um, is in general at this point, is that creativity will never die. Good a and Ring will never die. Um, those things are incredibly important. But there is an aspect of the industry that is obviously incredibly data-driven at this point, uh, more so than ever, and, and increasingly so year over year, um, such that the more transparency and granularity you can provide to your client base, 
uh, and partners in regards to their own data, um, the more empowered those partners and clients will be to move forward on that data and make informed decisions and develop informed business strategy around high volume data and metrics. No, why do you think there has had been less transparency in the industry in uh, the previous era? Well, I think, again, we're leaning into technology more than ever. And, and YouTube really started something very interesting, I think, in terms of the industry starting to understand the value of fingerprinting in, in, in just in a nutshell. Um, and, of course, I believe sound mouse powers matching for ASCAP. Um, there are a variety of fingerprint systems out there that are empowering various performance rights organizations to pay more granularly and more accurately. Um, and I think in the past, you know, there just were not a lot of, I'm trying to think of the right word, just, you know, a lot, uh, a lot of resources, I guess, for, for people to extract data um, that's actionable. So if we rewind, for example, to the mid 90s, mid to late 90s, when everything was still CD sales uh, and, and predominantly album sales. You know, the only real metrics that, uh, you know, PROs had to pay out on performance, et cetera, would be, would be radio and Nielsen. So, you know, um, obviously that's changed shape, changed shape substantially over the last 20 years. And, and the amount of resources for data are really, I mean, borderline infinite and certainly ever growing. So I think that that uh, clearly it's, you know, technology is driving the push to transparency. Technology is also the exact factor that that is, as you say, making it irreversible. Um, whether such and such entity wants the granularity or not, it's sort of a tough luck at this point because it's coming. It, it's, it's unavoidable. Yeah. So um, access to information, not just at the kind of like the, the client level, but just across the board in the industry, there were only so many resources where you could make a best guess of what music was being used, say, for radio airplay or public performance, things like that is one factor. Um, and, um, and, and the type of technology that's now available, that's kind of forcing us to all know with more accuracy in real time about how these different little plays, micro plays of, of music are happening or, or big, big picture stuff as well. Um, and, um, I mean, there, there, I, I don't know where you stand on this, but there's certainly been information in the, in the music industry news, uh, landscape that there was some opacity for other more nefarious reasons, um, that weren't just based on what information was access, uh, access. There's been a lot of talk about various black box, uh, it, um, money that's being held, um, and then paid out based on market share and then different definitions about what market share is and so forth. So it'll be interesting to see if there is pushback um, as as that data becomes more and more accessible to more people as well. Absolutely. And I think that invariably there will be some pushback, but the pushback will fall on deaf ears, unfortunately, because it's really not, you know, it's not ears anymore. It's technology that's doing the listening. So you have, you know, a few different providers out in the space that can do things like live monitoring of real-time radio plays with fingerprints to create data that is revolving around the performance on radio that is completely undeniable that is that is the truth so 
you will have, you know, parties, I think, and, and entities that are not keen on this level of transparency, but unfortunately, perhaps, or fortunately, depending on their outlook, um, it's coming and they won't be able to stop it. I think that there are realms where market share payments can be reasonably proxied. Um, but when it comes to black box income or escrowed income that a PRO or a neighboring rights organization might not know who to pay out, and then to simply lean into some seemingly random source as a proxy, that's when market share payments really go haywire. And I think um, they end up going to the biggest artists and the biggest writers um, who probably, you know, frankly need the money the least. And maybe those artists and writers are, are deservant of those market share payments. But I think, you know, particularly in my purview over the film and TV music space, because so many AdRev clients are production music libraries, um, those are the people that really will see the biggest uptick in granularity and reduction of market share payments because TV and film music is used far and wide. And in our own experience on the YouTube platform, you know, we have popular TV and film uh, underscore or frontline soundtrack music usage you know, that's on par with the biggest recording artists in the world uh, in terms of aggregate daily views and the social velocity of those assets that end up in popular meme videos and things like that. So I think that um, it's going to be a positive reckoning for a lot of film, TV, and independent composers and artists. And, and I think over the long haul, it's a positive reckoning for everybody because Again, if data and analytics are what's driving investment and strategy, again, combined with good creative direction and good A&R, which there are still many, many amazingly creative and incredible people in the space, but having that data to action on um, is really going to provide, I think, a better experience for the listener and the fan of music over the long haul. And that's what's really exciting to me. It's not about, oh... Let's make sure the you know, majors are, you know, have a reckoning, whatever. I mean, let's make sure the majors can keep providing us with, with incredible frontline music and have them have data that's really actionable um, to put the right music in front of the right faces and ears. And I, so I think, again, over the long haul, it's going to be really positive for everybody. And there will be some sort of brace for impact years, I think, as market share payments are reduced and maybe so-and-so is used to this or that from a market share payment every year. And, you know, they'll, they'll adjust accordingly. And, and I think, yeah, over, over a longer story arc, everybody wins from this. So I've got a couple of questions for you following up from that. Um, what, what is, you know, we're talking about transparency within your platform to your clients. What kind of, uh, what kind of benefits do your clients get from, from some of the data as it relates to say YouTube monetization, um, what are they? What are they able to learn that might help them strategi strategically um, along the way? Absolutely, I, I'm going to give a, a really just super basic, but but very uh, real world example. Um, because we provide video by video, line item by line item data again on anything that earned a fraction of a penny or more. So our clients would see that as a penny of earnings. We're, we're generous, so we round up on those fractions of pennies to full pennies. That's that's a joke, um, but we do do that. <laughs> um, so, you know, clients can see where their music's being used, what sort of channels uh, like what sort of music. Um, it's about six or eight months ago. One of and many many of our clients are, are 
most of our clients are incredibly sharp and and do really smart things with this data uh, beyond accounting. So one particular client, I'll leave them unnamed, but they recognize a particular channel, uh, a military-focused channel, um, using some of their tunes and recognize that they'd made some really good money off the unlicensed use of those tunes on that channel. And as opposed to, you know, reaching out to the channel and trying to knock them around for a license fee or settlement or anything like that, you know, they left their, you know, their, their micro sync license in place by virtue of, you know, monetizing those videos with ad revenue through the content ID system that YouTube provides, but reached out to the channel and said, Hey, we, you know, we really think it's cool that you're using our music. You know, we love, we love to support the vets. You know, we, we would love to furnish you more music if you'd be willing to share in the revenue on the videos you post. And the channel owner was all about it. And so they started using more of the client's music and the client started generating even more revenue from that channel. Um, so that's just a very simple uh, use case, but, but also a very effective way. You can find fans of, of music that you might not find otherwise and, and be able to drive more usage um, through their audience, which is obviously a, a great uptick on the whole. And, you know, that channel can link back through to different playlists and things like that to drive, you know, audience back to Spotify and other platforms as well. So that's a, that's a simple use case, but a very effective use case. You know, it's funny because, um, you know, I talk about and I've identified these seismic shifts that I like, like to kind of put out there as ways to think about how, where things are going and so forth. But I love how that story starts with this seismic shift, but then goes back to human relationships, which is not a seismic shift at all, which is what I think ultimately, you know, people think about these tech platforms driving a lot of business and so forth. Um, and, and opportunities for innovation and new ways that music's getting used and, and all that. But in the end, there's still, even with the tech platforms, there's still these human relations that make a huge difference. You know, the conversations that you have with the people that run YouTube, for example, um, mm -hmm. and uh, the conversations you have with booking agents and managers and record labels and publicists and, and all of that too. So um, I, I always like those reminders back to don't think that it's just this icy cold world of servers out there. There's also right. this human element that, that you can come back to and, and it, it becomes a good business practice. Absolutely. And that's one of the things I find really refreshing about, you know, having the great pleasure of, of growing and building and running AdRev is that we certainly recognized from the very beginning that technology alone is not enough. Maybe one day it will be when Android's dream of electric sheep. I don't know. But um, for, for the time being, you know, it, you can't just rely on scripting and servers. And there are nuances to making, for example, the work we do on YouTube. You know, there are a lot of nuances to placing additional claims over a video just because the content is in there doesn't mean that perhaps that user has engaged in a constructive criticism of that piece of music and it's fair use and it shouldn't be claimed and monetized. And those are the sorts of things that at current, there is no technological way to do that sort of work. You know, and furthermore, you know, we recently unlocked, you know, several million aggregate daily views, uh, which for, you know, anybody who's not familiar with my crazy world of YouTube and content ID monetization, that's good money, you know, to, to have a few million aggregate daily views unlocked uh, on behalf of a client whose, whose assets were otherwise in conflict with other providers claiming on those assets. You cannot get assets out of conflict with other providers. Uh, this would, if for anybody who's listening, you know, equate to like pending copyright dispute or pending splits on a song, something like that. 
Um, and the way we unlocked those asset conflicts and got them monetizing properly again was by picking up the phone and calling other administrators and hashing out the splits in emails and LODs. And again, things that technology is not capable of doing yet. Um, so I think, again, it's a really interesting, fun and refreshing time to be in the industry because we are empowered by technology, uh, but we are not 100% reliant on it. Um, and the people that understand that uh, are the ones who will continue to succeed and, and, and move the industry forward. So I want to I want to jump into that a little deeper because I think what you're breaking down there is a, a, a whole other side to this idea about uh, the push to transparency that is uh, important to talk about, which is that you're saying that there's a significant amount of revenue that's currently locked up because of some opacity between administrators of different different rights in this, at least in this YouTube world. It's probably true in other aspects of of music monetization. Um, but but is is do I have that correct that you're saying that because you can't see into the database of other people who are who are either owners of catalogs that are working in content ID or administrators kind of on par with AdRev helping to monetize these catalogs and these songs, um, since you can't see into their databases, they uh, and they can't see into yours, they may claim some of the things that you have split administration over and. As a result, both of, neither of you are monetizing. Is that correct? Yeah, it, it's it's um, you know without getting too into kind of sort of system level stuff on YouTube, but it, it, imagine um, you know if you're working a global royalty database and you need something to have a hundred percent ownership to begin to pay out, and the asset currently has a hundred and thirty four percent ownership. Um, that asset is not going to magically work itself out, right? There will be some requirement for the various parties making claims on that asset to come to an understanding of who who has what split. And I think a lot of this is is very much unwitting. It's not that there are a tremendous quantity of nefarious actors out there. There certainly are a fair share of nefarious actors, but I think on the whole, most people working in the space want to do the right thing. Um, only want to collect money that is actually due them, et cetera, et cetera. But let's say, for example, you know, Dimitri, Noah, and John Doe write world's most awesome song. And uh, Dimitri, you know, has a 60% split, uh, and Noah has 20, and John has 20. Um, and uh, John and Noah are signed to XYZ Publisher for administration, who then goes ahead and claims 40% of a tune. And Dimitri signed to uh, XYM, you know, Publisher for administration for his 60%. And so we have 100% of the assets paying properly. And then Noah decides that, uh, you know, he doesn't like his publishing administrator anymore, and he thinks he can do better elsewhere. So he goes and signs a different deal. Uh, and let's presume that I'm allowed to do that. I, my term is up. I have the flexibility to go sign a different deal, and I engage. And so my new publishing administrator adds their 20%, and now we're at 120% because my previous pub admin hasn't yet removed their ownership. Um, have they not yet removed it because they're trying to you know, take my money? Probably not. It's probably a scale issue, a volume data issue that at some point, they'll address internally. And how will they address it? Well, they'll address it when my new administrator picks up the phone, 
reaches out to them, says, what's a good email for legal? I want to send you this LOD. They send the LOD over. They look at it. They say, oh, yeah, Noah moved his stuff over. We forgot. Let's get our, let's get our ownership off that asset and get it paying again. So that is just a, a very simple and perfectly uh, viable real-world example of where technology will let you down, right? So, um, and in order to unlock that income, you know, some sort of you know, level of personal communication needs to take place. So though we say the push to transparency is irreversible, AdRev and Noah Becker want to accelerate the push to transparency as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think data coveting, while I totally understand it on, on some levels, on other levels, it is actually um, can be detrimental to, to the administrative processes. So I think it just, it depends on, you know, what and why. Uh, but I think the more people are willing to share and be more open um, with data, the, the better off everybody is in the long run. I mean, you know, having money sit in black boxes or escrowed income that's never going to get paid out or escrowed income that eventually gets paid out on some weird market share proxy because nobody ever could come to terms on how it should be paid out. You know, that just doesn't, I don't think in the long run that that behooves writers and artists. And that's, you know, at least at AdRev, that's what we're all about. You know, we want to make sure the people that are creating the music are responsible for administering the, the creation of that music are getting the revenue that's rightfully theirs. And, um, you know, that, uh, that is something that platform by platform um, is, is going to be something that nobody's going to be able to really rebuke, right? As, as more fingerprint systems and watermarking comes into play, um, the data is going to speak and people are going to have to fall in line with what the data says. So yeah, the faster we get there, the better for everybody. And I think, again, going back to the indie or major model, things like that, you know, independent, the independent music industry feeds, you know, often feeds the major label industry. So it's good for everybody to win out because again, I, I think the majors are absolutely wonderful and necessary. I mean, it's, you know, it is not easy to put together a worldwide stadium tour and that requires a lot of financing and a lot of investment that, you know, is generally not going to be able to take place at an independent level. But having an independent industry, be, you know, be able to thrive and, and be this constant farm system for the majors, which again, and the majors are able to take that really high cut repertoire, really interesting and globally marketable repertoire and make sure that people hear it because it's incredible music. Um, so I think it's really exciting. And I, th I think, again, everybody, <clears throat> everybody should, should be excited. This is a really cool time to be in the music industry. Um, we're in a growth phase and have been for the last couple of years. And that's, that's a first, you know, for, for a decade or so, or two decades almost. And, um, there is a, I'm a big believer that everybody can, everybody can win. And the way that everybody wins is by everybody being honest, being transparent and, and having the, the money go to the rightful owners. I'm curious, are there, when you think about this in terms of like actually implementing this, this idea of deeper transparency, are there specific almost calls to action that you would have for people who are listening, depending on what type of entities they're in or specific Mm, legislation or uh, policies or industry standards that um, that you think would get us closer faster? I think actually I would boil it back down to an individual level 
and that I think that mm. it starts first with it being incumbent upon the creators to know what their rights are, what their splits are, and what their ownership is from the get-go. Um, you know, I <laughs> I always tell this story of an old friend of mine from uh, my Sony BMG days. Um, she used to be an A&R for Sony Discos, and she told me these hilarious stories where she would lock writers in the studio and sign, uh, slip a split sheet under the door, and she would not let the writers out of the room until the splits were 100%, and everybody shook hands, agreed on it, and signed that split sheet. It starts there, right? It starts there. So if you're creating with collaborators and just having a you know mutual understanding of what splits are and making sure that those splits get to your publishing company or publishing administrator and things like that, um, it starts there. So I think as individual creators, it's, it's, it's I, myself being one of them, it is our responsibility to keep our own data in order um, and make sure that we can rely on that data uh, with confidence going forward. Um, something I definitely very consistently talk about as well is, while it would be a wonderful you know, Shangri-La to have a global rights database, the fact of the matter is that the, the, the practicality of that is incredibly low, right? Because you're sourcing data from a variety of of places that may not be correct. So that said, you know, the more any individual or any singular entity can have a really robust data management system and data protocols uh, that they can rely on, um, they will be further empowered as, as the industry becomes more and more about data and data transparency and being able to call back to data. So, um, yeah, I would I would start it more at a granular level, and then and then it builds out from there. Nice, sounds like really a cultural shift of people leaning into understanding that information and and having a having a culture of of that data sharing. So that's that's awesome. No, this has been cool. You know, before we go, I want to point to our listeners that uh, AdRev has come in as uh, one of our top three Supernova sponsors for the Music Tectonics Conference. We picked LA because it seemed like there's so much going on there. You guys are there. Um, a lot of the DSPs have offices there. The tech companies are there. Obviously, the late lots of labels, um, tons of indie labels as well as major label offices there. Noah, is there anything else you would say about LA as a, a draw, a reason to come out to Music Tectonics from people from outside this October? Um, anything you can add about kind of the music tech scene there? Yeah, it, it, absolutely, and certainly not to uh, poo-poo my former uh, area of residence, New York City, but um, there's just a lot going on out here from technology to creative. Um, you know, I, I, I do produce and compose music myself and, and a lot of my mentors and folks that I look up to that are writing big frontline tunes or managing big time acts or the agents of big time acts have, have made the shift from New York to L.A. Um, over the past several years. And, and I think a lot of the business side, you know, and financial metrics and things like that, you know, New York is, the, is finance king, right? And there's a lot of brilliant people still there, obviously, and a lot of very creative people are still there. But I, I think there's something about sunny LA that's really beginning to attract more creatives and more creative technologists like myself. Um, and so I think it, it, I'm really looking forward to the event. There is just so much going on out here. And, and I think, again, the technology push in LA and the whole Silicon Beach initiative, blockchain beach, all that good stuff. There's, there's a lot of activity in the space. There's a lot of exciting opportunity for M&A. So, you know, I'd say, you know, chief investment officers and things like that from majors or big publishers or, 
you know, venture capital funds, et cetera. There's a, there's a lot to look at out here. There's a lot of interesting things going on and a lot of interesting places to park your money and, and see how you can grow it. So yeah, I think it's, it's just a wildly creative scene out here in Los Angeles. Not that it's not in New York. I love New York City as well. And it has many of the exact same qualities, but it, it definitely seems over the past decade, I've seen a lot of people making the trip, you know, and, and moving out to LA because there is, there is some sort of gravitas out here around music technology that's very exciting. Well, and I'll add, um, by the time this episode gets published, we will have announced that A2IM, the independent record label trade group, holds a uh, an event called Sync Up. Um, and we've partnered with them this year. They will be offering... Um, they will be offering Sync Up on October 30th. Our event's October 28th, 29th. So those of you who are members of A2IM or thinking about joining A2IM, you can get a twofer by going to LA. Um, uh, A2IM Sync Up presented by Vidya is going to be in the LA area as well. You can get more information about that at the A2IM website. Um, Noah, thanks so much for coming on board as a sponsor for Music Tectonics. And this has been a great episode. Thanks for, for joining me to talk about the push to transparency. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Dimitri. Really appreciate it. And thank you for listening to Music Tectonics. Please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app and go to musictectonics.com to find out more about the conference where Noah will be presenting. And um, you can sign up for our newsletter and get a $50 discount on the conference that takes place October 28th, 29th. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Listening to Music Tectonics.